the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. All right, well... Um, welcome, everybody. Uh, this is part three of our live stream, and also this is uh, part three of our podcast, Let Us Reason. I welcome our listeners of the podcast and our viewers who are with us here live. You've been, of course, listening to myself and Dr. Jay Smith, who is with me here in studio right now. And we've been talking really about some of the projects we've been involved in, reflecting back on 2021. And Dr. Uh, Jay Smith also alluded to some of the things that will be coming out soon through his channel. And hopefully, uh, you know, I think everybody figured it out. I want to honor his work. He brings this stuff out through his channel. Then he and I sometimes end up doing a live stream through my channel just as a teaser. And then I bring him over where we can impact the same material and we do it here in our studios to give him also the access to higher quality videos because at the end of the day, really, it's not for me, it's not for him, it's for everybody, and we want to be a blessing to everyone who is involved. So, Dr. J, uh, anything else you want to reflect on uh, regarding 2021 or anything about 2022 before we start, you know, playing some fun games with our uh, viewers here? No, well, actually, there's so much we can talk about where we're going to be heading. I think what we need to say is we're going to continue to head on Mecca. We have some more material that's coming out. We want to look at the Black Stone. We want to look at the uh, the, the, the footprint of Abraham. We also want to unpack, really, Marwa and Safa. We are already going to be talking about the Zamzam well. Uh, there's an awful lot yet we have to do. So all of these material coming out of Mecca, we still need to go through. We also then want to go and we want to unpack a lot of the Aramaic antecedents to the Quran. But more than that, I'd like to finally come to some conclusion on how then did Islam really begin? What happened between 622 and 749? That's that's really 120 years that is still opaque. Odin has been doing a good job of trying to bring us through, walk us through. Joe from Red Judaism has been doing a good job of trying to walk us through. Mel has been amazing what he's coming up with. Uh, our, our, I, I love what Murad is coming up with. These guys are doing a great job, but we do want to answer that question. Why and did was Mecca chosen? Mm-hmm. That we still haven't been able to run down. Why in the world did they choose such an obscure place in the middle of the desert that has no water and no food and no history, no civilization, nothing? So why did they choose Mecca? We're going to run that down, and we're probably going to probably start introducing that in 2022. Once we start showing what's going on between the 7th and 8th century, once we get that what we call the missing piece, and once we have finally taken everything and sifted it through here, because that, to do that, we've got to do a lot of sifting. We are called the sin sifters, S-I-N, standard Islamic narrative. We're sifting it through. We need to find what then really happened. That's then uh, that's the... Uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? The, that is 
the missing piece, the missing link. Once we were able to do that, then I think we need to start writing our books. We need to start publishing this. We need to start getting it out into the real world. Right now, it's all done on videos, and these are what we call green papers. And green papers are what-if scenarios. This is what Patricia Corona did and Dr. Michael Cook in 1977 with agorism. They said that in the very first page. This is a what-if scenario. From everything we've seen so far, this is where we think we are at. And they had to change it and they had to move it. And they took the whole idea of the agorism. But look at all the footnotes that they left behind. Everything in those footnotes is all historical evidence. No one's going to dispute that. And that's what we want to do. We want to get back to the evidence and come up with our what-ifs. No longer what-ifs. This then is what happened. That's where we want to get to in 2022 and 2023. It's wonderful. And again, uh, folks, uh, with me here in studio is Dr. Jay Smith. And we've been really talking about the many projects we've been involved in, either uh, together or at least uh, the projects that he has been unpacking uh, for the last couple of years. Really, every year there is something new, even if it is the same topic, like, for instance, whether it's the Qibla, whether it's Mecca, whether it's Muhammad. Uh, anytime, that's what I love about Dr. S- uh, Smith and his team, anytime there is new information out there, he's not holding it for back from you. He is not writing an article that you can wait a year and a half to publish. And by the time it's published, there is so many other discoveries. No, we are bringing it out to you immediately, whether through my channel, live stream, through his live stream, or through his channel. The idea is we want you to benefit from it immediately, especially I'm speaking to you, my Muslim friends. We're doing this out in the public. Many times you see us here in a studio or in his own, uh, you know, basically uh, uh, live stream or in his own channel with stacks of books. Why? Because he wants you to know which book talk about what was the author and you can go and buy it. And, uh, you know, I remember one time we were talking about the different, uh, you know, uh, uh, variant readings of the Quran and we gave you even the website. And I I think they ran out of uh, (laughs) ran out of products or inventory, uh, you know, that week because we've encouraged people to go and do so. For now, I'm going to spend the remaining about 20 minutes or so uh, as really an appeal to both of our channels. You know, first of all, I encourage all of you to consider supporting Dr. J. Smith and his effort, supporting him through Patreon, supporting him through PayPal, subscribing to his channel, spreading the wealth of knowledge out there by sharing his videos, even reaching out to him if you have any data about things that he talked about, any articles, any sources that you feel like he should really look at. For instance, he has a team that can, uh, you know, uh, sift through it, no pun intended here, to to let him know if there is any material or data in there that worth doing maybe some further exploration and finally doing maybe even a show or a series of videos on that. But at the same time, uh, we want you to know that, um, you know, things like this don't don't happen out of nowhere. I mean, there is always a cost associated with things like this. And you blessing him and blessing his ministry can go a long way. Um, by the way, uh, Dr. J. Smith, uh, you know, just because when we talk to you about money, we're not talking about a millionaire. Uh, people tend to think like somehow when we're discussing about supporting uh, a person or supporting uh, a ministry or supporting a channel, somehow you're making that person wealthy. Not at all. The costs are going up. There is so much involved in research and in publications and in doing videos and improvements and so on and so forth. So all you're doing is like you're helping him 
to at least, uh, you know, be focused on that mission and not be distracted on trying to find other sources and other means to support himself and his family. So you're doing it for a good cause, and especially through Patreon. My goodness, the levels of Patreon, you can do a dollar, you can do $5, you can do $10. You do the math. I mean, if you think people get millionaires by, you know, giving them a dollar or five or 10, I mean, maybe we're living in a different world. Uh, the idea here is to maintain stability in the income because in Patreon alone, that's been my experience. I don't know, Dr. Smith, if you have the same experience. You know, patrons, uh, you know, the number of patrons fluctuate for, for many reasons. It could be uh, a credit card that expired, banking information that changed, or the people just felt like I've done my part, you know, for the last six months or a year or two, and, and now I want to do some other things. So, yeah, and I think this is something that we did that we need to run. You and I are what we call faith missionaries. We don't have a solid salary. We are dependent on people supporting us. Uh, we are dependent on tithing of people who are in our churches. I have been doing this for almost 40 years now. My wife and I, uh, we have been working in the Islamic world since the 1980, 1981-1982 when we got started. So we're, we're coming on to 40 years now where we've been working as faith missionaries. And faith missionaries need to be supported. We need to have make sure, otherwise we can't do what we're doing. We can't even live where we're living. We can't even wear the clothes on our back unless we get uh, supported by people in the church. Now, in saying that, I don't want to be supported by non-Christians. I'm very careful that only Christians support me. And I said this to, I've said this before over and over again. Please, if you're a Christian, do support. If you're a Muslim or an atheist, don't, don't, please don't. I'm not, I don't personally need your support. I don't want it because it has to come from God. It has to be something that's laid on the hearts of people because God has laid it on their hearts. That, that's what we're talking about, the tithing, the 10% that is given to the church. And don't take away money that you should be going to your church to give to me. Just give that money that's above and beyond what you already give to your church. We've worked on that principle for 40 years and we've been able to survive on that principle. We don't have... We don't even own a house, Judy and I. We don't have enough money to own a house. Uh, we do own a car, and we do own my laptop. And so at least I can say some things belong to me and the, and the shirts that we wear. But because of, of, of the fact that we are faith missionaries, we, in some ways, it makes us a lot closer to the people that we who support us because we know exactly why is it they support us. And it's not because they're trying to get credit. It's because they are, believe in our ministry. They believe in what we're doing. They believe on where we're going. And they also want to bring people home. They want to bring Muslims home. Uh, my area of research has always been in Islam. We are now actually, uh, we've got the degree program. You're part of it uh, with Veritas International University, where we're now training many others up to take it out Amen. and to get it out into the world. And we have a master's degree and a doctoral degree program that does just that. But What's fascinating, I think, for as far as support, for a lot of Muslims, they come up to me and they say, you're making a million off this stuff. And I'd say, I'd love to know where that million is. I would love to know where is it you came up with that kind of figure. Because those of us who are in faith missionaries, and if anybody knows anything about missionaries, we tend to be the poorest of the poor. We do not make an awful lot of money. And what money we do get, make goes into our ministry. It goes back into plowing it back into the cameras. And it goes back into, well, in my case, the cameras and the laptops and everything else that I need and also the trips because I do an awful lot of trips around the world. And many of those trips, especially if it's to Africa or if it's to a third world, I pay for it myself. I don't ask them to pay for it. Uh, they, I do all my airfare and I also do my hotels and my food and all the rest because they don't have those kind of finances in those countries. Other places like Europe, then they pay for it or around the United States, they pay for it. But because of the fact that we're faith missionaries, my parents were faith missionaries, my grandparents, I come, I'm a third generation faith missionary. 
All my aunts and uncles, I have six aunts and uncles, they were all faith missionaries. So in some ways, it's something that I've grown up with. It's just something that's expected that we don't have, we don't work, do it for the money. We're not in it for the finances. We've never been in for it finances. Uh, we don't, as I said, I'm almost approaching 70 and I still have been able to, been able to even afford a house for my wife. Uh, we, it's similar to what we see in the, the early church. The early church did much the same thing. And that's why in so it's not in for the money. And I've heard many Muslims used to come to Speaker's Corner. You must be, be given a million dollars. I said, well, maybe your Muslim dies to get a million dollars, but we don't get that kind of money. We don't see that. And we wouldn't want to because that is not where we where we spent. We would spend it. We would not spend it on ourselves. We would just plow it right back into the ministry. Mm-hmm. But we do need to make sure that we do get funded so that we can eat and so that we can travel, so that we can minister, so that we can continue to do this amazing research. Every one of those people that you saw that I introduced yesterday, not one of them gets paid a cent. I didn't pay us. I've not paid a That's cent true. That's to Odon. I've not paid a cent to Thomas. I've not paid a cent to Mel. They do everything completely gratuitous. It is, they do the research. They put the PowerPoints together. They come on our channels. We don't pay them a cent. It, I think this is something that's unique for Muslims to hear. They're not used to hearing this. I've never Muslim balked and they said, you're just lying. You're making this up. Maybe that's the way it works in the Muslim world. But in the Christian world, we do everything gratuitously because it is comes from God himself. And whatever money God then supplies us with, we take and we just live off of that. We've always lived off the bare minimum so that we can get by. And I think because of the fact that in your case, you're new to this the, the Christian world because you're the first generation in my case, this is something that I've all grown up with. All my aunts and uncles, my grandparents on both sides, my parents, my wife, she comes from a missionary. She, her whole life, she used to tell me that there were times when they were all, she had four brothers and uh, they were times they were about ready to go on a vacation and suddenly there was no money came through. They had to cancel the vacation. This is something that, that uh, those are the kind of stories we've grown up with all, all our lives. It's not something we do for the money. There is not money in mission work. We don't do it for the money. We do it for the love of Jesus Christ. Amen. And we do it for the love of bringing people home to him and nothing more. Amen. And I want to, uh, like you heard our brother says, it's not about the money, but, you know, so support is always helpful. With that in mind, uh, I want to really issue this loving channel, uh, challenge to, to, uh, to uh, your uh, viewers who are watching us right now and my viewers. Uh, would you consider, at least if you haven't been uh, supporting him or myself on Patreon, would you consider the challenge of uh, having 25 Patreon supporters on his channel, uh, Founder Films, by the end of the year, and also 25 on my channel, Sierra International? Uh, Remember, uh, Patreon and patrons are very, very difficult because the numbers fluctuate. In fact, I lost more than I gained this year. That's, again, God always provides when not here to sit down and mourn, uh, you know, numbers it's always helpful. So my challenge to you, consider to become a patron for my brother. Consider to become a patron for me. We're looking for 25 people on both of these channels. Also, the Lord puts you in your heart to give through PayPal. That's fine. Some people love to do that. In fact, I'm going to give you right now a, a kind of a, a fun part for giveaways. So I'm going to ask my own viewers on my channel um, if you can list me the names of the people that Jay just mentioned, you know, the researchers, the ones that have been supporting him. In the next one minute, if you can list all these names, I think there are five of them, five of them, you will receive uh, one of the giveaway books. And make sure you go to my channel, uh, you go to uh, my, uh, uh, I should say, website, zerointernational.com. 
Email me your address. I cannot really send you the giveaway if I don't have your name and your address. You know, like I said, out of the people that we had last time, only three reached out to me and gave me an address. I won't be able to reach out to the others. I tried, but unfortunately, unless you come to me and you give me that information, I won't be able to find you. So uh, you have one minute from now to go ahead and do so. Uh, Any of you who will be willing to give, uh, even to my brother or me, a one-time, maybe uh, 250 through PayPal right now, let us know. I'll be more than happy to give away a book, whether you gave it to my brother through his channel or mine. Uh, we want to help support his efforts, uh, just like we are pray- prayerfully asking for the support of our efforts. So uh, can you think of any uh, giveaways, uh, for instance, that uh, you want to give to people or questions you want to ask them? You know, let's uh, have fun with them. Well, I would suggest that... Um, uh... I think one of the things that we would like people to see, and I think one of the things we've asked people to do in the past, is if they have if they have queries that they really feel are queries that are coming up from the academic world, we would like to see them. We're not seeing that so far. We, what's fascinating to me, and you asked me this yesterday, what kind of pushback are you getting from the Muslims on this new material? Uh, for the last two years, I'm not getting much pushback at all from a from Muslims. What I'm doing is I'm getting a lot of ad hominem from the Muslims. Mm-hmm. We don't... Uh, the ad hominem is not what we want to see. We want to see actual uh, critically uh, and uh, analyze substance to their queries. We want to see why is it that if something like what happened with Christoph Luxemburg, when he, he came out with his material in 2000, we're now in 2021. Why is it 2000, uh, 21 years later, why in 21 years have they not come up with a bona fide uh, critique of his seven steps? the seven steps that I introduced about a month ago. Why has that not come out yet? Where has anybody gone through and looked at what he did to the codicological material with the, the lexicons, with looking at the, uh, the, the harakat and the ijams? Why is it no one's really dealt with that? Why is it they haven't gone back to the, uh, the Aramaic, the lexicons mm-hmm. that are there? None of this has been done yet. And so until that is happening, we're going to continue to just keep working on it. But we're looking and asking. Maybe someone who is watching here has been able to come up across some academic work, has been able to come across some academic response, critical response, that can actually ask the questions we're, that we need because that's how we get peer-reviewed. We know, I remember when Dan Brubaker got his, put his book out in ni- 2019. It took us uh, six months before Haydn Siski even came up with an article. You, you want to show his book? You have it right here. Uh, let people see it. We encourage people to go and get it. It's a very simplified book, just a fraction of his research on uh, basically uh, uh, on his dissertation uh, PhD. This small book, well, how many pages? Uh, it's I only about 100 pages. 100 pages. So it's 110 pages. You know but... how many pages were written now to refute it? Probably well, approaching 1,000. Uh, certainly, uh, you have Alta Kulich. Alta Kulich, he did his, Dyer Alta Kulich wrote just a year and a half ago, he did on over 110 pages to try to refute it. And that he printed and published in his Irsisa, his own organization. Yeah. What's fascinating, Haydn Sikki, I think it was a third, about 30 pages long, his criticism of this. When Dan Bubifer came up with a response to that criticism, went back to that journal, that same journal that published his criticism, they wouldn't take it. They said, there's no need to do it. We don't, we don't ask, we don't do responses. To me, I've never heard of that. Every time you're going to put a critical analysis of someone's research, you always allow a response. Of course. I mean, it's a, it's a public arena, basically. Now that took two years for just that exchange to go back. When we put up material, how long does it take before we start getting criticism? Within seconds. 
That's right. With insight. We can be reviewed immediately. And I'm glad you bring this up because you, you folks can see the importance of what we do because we bring things immediately to the forefront. Immediately. We're not going to wait for someone to tell us yes or no uh, to publish a refutation. No, we bring it immediately and we force others to respond to it immediately as well. And again, what's there to refute? These are images. Well, again, this is just 20 images of 4,000 that he has. That's right. He has an enormous more more to do. Now, the, the publishing house that he uses is Think and Tell. And we're going to be doing all our work through Think and Tell. We're going to actually start publishing book after book in Think and Tell. This is the first time many have heard of this. You've never heard of Think and Tell before. Yeah. It's going to be a powerhouse publishing organization that's putting out all this new historical material. Uh, Dr. Daniel Janasik is now going to start using Think and Tell. Uh, we know Dan, uh, Dan Brubaker is going to continue using Think and Tell. I'm going to be start publishing my books through Think and Tell. They're, and you're going to see Mel wants to start creating books. So does Odin. So does Thomas. They all want to start writing books. And it's all going to be coming under Think and Tell. Wonderful. Let me say this. Uh, Al Mer, uh, bro, you're awesome. Mel, uh, Odin, Morad, Thomas. He mentioned Lloyd, actually. And, Lloyd uh, Jejung. That's yet yeah, to come. That's number yeah, six. Yeah. That's that's wonderful. So, uh, Al, uh, reach out to me. Uh, I think I have your email, but just go ahead and reach out to me. And uh, you'll be receiving one of these books, uh, Dr. Brubaker's book. Uh, autographed, I think, by him. Uh, that's what he told me. And I'll autograph it for you as well. So that's that's wonderful. Um, I, gosh, we have a few minutes left. Uh, I'm going to wrap up this section, of course. We're going to stay on the air for a few more minutes after that, just in case if anyone uh, have any questions. But one should let people know what we've been working on. You know. Just these last few days? Yeah. Okay. We have gone through and we have been unpacking a lot more material on the Meccan, the difficulty with Mecca. Right. Remember that series we did? We did about, I think it was 17 different videos on Mecca. Well, since that came up, even more exciting material. We went and we unpacked the isolation of Mecca. We showed that right. we now have found the topographical. We've now found the topographical images of showing exactly where the Western Plateau is. We didn't have this. Patricia Kuno didn't have this when she came out with her theories in 1987. This kind of technology didn't exist. The technology now exists today. So we unpack that and show you when you look at it from a topographical map, scale map, look and see where all of the trade routes are. Look and see where they're all on oases. And notice that Mecca is nowhere near any of them. Mecca is completely off this plateau. And that's what we're going to show. We're going to also show the civilizations, all the civilizations from that to- all that our area of the world. We're going to ask if any of them have heard of this place called Mecca. And we're going to go all the way back to the Assyrians. We're going to go to the Himerites. We're going to go to the uh, Babylonian civilization. We're going to go to the Roman civilization. We're going to go to Western Arabia, where Mecca actually exists. We're going to ask the people that were actually there, where Mecca exists, if they knew about this place. Not one civilization has ever heard about it. So we're going to show that, and we're going to show it visually. These are all going to be on maps, and they're going to be visual. And then we're going to go and ask the question about water. Mm-hmm. Something as simple as water, the nectar of life, absolutely essential for everything. We cannot exist without water. We cannot, uh, all our food is based on having water. We have to have water to have food. And until you have water and food, you're not going to have people. If you don't have water and food and people, then, you, of course, you don't have any towns. If you don't have any towns, you don't have any cities. You don't have any cities. You don't have any civilization. You don't have any civilization. You do not have any history. Something as simple as that it only takes 10 seconds to make. We're going to then ask that question. And then we're going to go and shut down the response that every Muslim has been responding whenever we bring that up. And that is, what about that Zamzam well? 
Wait till you see what we now found about the Zumzer well. You were uncomfortable, weren't you? When we actually were uh, actually filming that. You did not like what I came up with because this is your heritage. This is your well, territory. Well, I mean, uh, the, the idea is that, uh, you know, I knew about the the salinization uh, plants, but um, I wanted to be careful not to also promote something that I wasn't fully you know, aware of, uh, you know, that's pretty much my reaction. But you laid out a good case, I mean, for it. Wait till you see, and I'm just going to put this as a caveat, wait till you see where this nectar of heaven comes from. Every Muslim will tell you it comes from God. This is a miracle of the Zamzam well, that it actually has enough water there that is exhaustive. It is exhaustive so the whole Muslim world can get little bottles of it in all of their... You can look at every one of the bookstores, anywhere you go and see an Islamic store, there's a Zamzam well bottle. You can buy millions of them, millions of them, all from this one little well called the Zamzam well. Uh, we're going to show you where that comes from. But I'm going to hold on there. I don't want to give the answer. Don't you give yep. the answer yet. No, we want. We this want. is going to be fun. Now, and then we also then went and unpacked the... Yeah, we the have one minute left. Aramaic, the whole yeah. Aramaic yeah. categories. And we started and we talk, unpacked the German school. Uh, so that was the other category they went to, and I'll shut up now. No, no problem. I, I think you're holding on to the Aramaic, uh, uh, you know, uh, idea because you have a lot of work on that, and I, I know it's 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 worth really uh, letting people uh, anticipate. You know, I'm not going to give it out on this show. Yeah. I'm not going to give it out now because it is yet to come, and I haven't even introduced it on my show yet. Uh, so, and once you get it on Fandom Films, then you get it here. The tendency is I usually do my, the newest material with you, and then I get it after you get it. So I always get it secondhand with everybody on my show. But this time, this is going to be coming out on my show first. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much, uh, brother. Thank you, everyone. At least uh, those of you who have been tuning in to this podcast, Let Us Reason. This was part three of the podcast. Now, if you are with us live, please stay on for a few more minutes. We want to interact with you, see if you have any more questions for us, and we'll continue this dialogue as well. So, and, uh, you know, uh, I want to thank those of you who have been joining us. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening to this uh, on our pod podcast. Make sure you share this with others as well. And those of you who are watching us live, uh, please uh, stick around for a few more minutes. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.